On this episode, we talk about alternative schools, active learning, and the need to give children more trust. Hello, gents and ladies, and welcome to Experiment Q podcast. I'm Tudor, your host, which means it's my job to interview world-class researchers, educators, entrepreneurs, and creatives who design amazing learning experiences all over the world. For everyone out there interested in education, this show is for you. Today, we have two guests at Experiment Q podcast, Corina and Greta Terhoff. Corina is an ex-management consultant turned school director. And Greta, Corina's daughter, is pretty much the inspiration for Active School Cologne and a pupil there. This episode is very special not only because it's our first duo on the show and we experimented with a new format, but we've got two generations in the same room sharing their views and experiences within alternative education. We hope this episode will be an inspiration for young parents and educators looking into new ways to organize schools and learning spaces. Special thanks to Dirk van Haag and Kai Tierhoff for making this episode a reality. Now, without further ado, please enjoy episode number three, recorded on October 16 in Cologne, Germany. Dear Karina uh, and Greta, thank you for being on Experiment Q podcast. It's a pleasure for us and it's a very special occasion because we it's for the first time when we have a duo on the show. On one hand, uh, a parent and director of the school. On the other hand, um, a daughter and a, a pupil in the school. So we're very much curious to see your opinions uh, about the project that, uh, that you run and your experience. So now getting into the icebreaker part of, of uh, the interview where people can get a bit of the feeling about your personality and, and, and uh, it's more about you as, as a human being. Uh, and then we dive into the story of the school and how you started and how it works. So these questions are addressed to both Greta and Karina, and, and um, we try to answer them under 30 seconds or one minute max. So it's really quick. All right, the first question is, can please each of you introduce the other one under one minute? Okay, I'll start. Um, this is my daughter Greta. She's 15 years old. She's our eldest daughter. And mm, yeah, I would say she's one of the reasons I co-founded this school. Um, I think she really loves to be here. She also loves to play soccer and to play tennis and to sleep and to listen to music. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And Greta? That's Corinna, my mother. She's 50 years old. Um, she is doing a lot of sports and very like um, concentrated on what she's doing and work and sports and yeah. And are there any morning activities or rituals that you really enjoy doing? Morning activities? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we have a relaxed start in the school, so we have to be there at 8.30, which gives us time for a relaxed breakfast. 
and a shower before, but yeah, the relaxed breakfast, the four of us in the family, is probably our morning ritual. Mm. And for you? Yeah, I like breakfast too, and yeah. I am not waking up by um alarm clock or something. I'm My mother is waking me up, and <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's sweet. Um, we all carry a, a smartphone and technology has become a, a big part of our life. What is the favorite application on your smartphone? <laughs> favorite application Or the one you use the most? Is um, WhatsApp, I would say. Yesterday it was Waze um, <laughs> <laughs> because, because I had to travel by car. So yeah, there are, there are many things I use yeah, every day, almost every day. Yeah. All right. I'm using like Snapchat and Instagram musically. What <laughs> <laughs> and WhatsApp? Yeah, that's probably the most used apps on my phone. Mm. Yeah. And can you name three hashtags or keywords that would describe best your uh, hobby or your work? Um, hashtag soccer. Hashtag laugh. And hashtag eat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, for me, it would be hashtag family, hashtag sports, and hashtag travel. What, what book or object did you gift it the most to other people? What I like to give to friends as a present is a activity together, to go to a theater or a... An, a nice dinner, so to go out in the evening together with friends. I would give maybe like a book or something because in my age there are a lot of people who like either you love to read or you love to draw or paint or something. There's like regarding the what people love. Uh, what did you learn this year that? Uh, you enjoyed or had a wow effect or kind of a realization that uh, made you happy or made you wondering? <laughs> I learned a lot English because I went to the US for half a year and yeah, that I like realized how good my English is now versus half a year ago. Yeah. Cool. Oh yeah, and I can probably say I learned to let my big girl go and um, realize a little bit how life will be when when mm. the kids leave the house. Yeah. All right, that's a big step. <laughs> Continue the sentence. When I fail, I do what? I stand up and keep going. I first I would I don't know. I you would laugh. You said I would laugh. <laughs> 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 All right, that's a good good <laughs> approach. And the last question of this icebreaker uh, part is: What is success to you? Um, to me, success means that I, yeah, that I in a way achieve what what I wanted to achieve. Like mm, that, I said. Whatever kind of goal could be, uh, could be in sports, could be, could be in my job, and and if I see that that I realize, or that, yeah, that I that I manage to achieve what I what I wanted to achieve, yeah. For me, success is like when you feel that you're on a way to succeed, and like 
you feel you made a step towards your goal. Mm. So it's more about the process, right? Good answer. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Now, getting into the active school uh, cologne and, and the story behind, first of all, in more generic terms, what is this school for each of you? How how would you describe it? You mean describe the project? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, well, I co-founded this school and we started in 2009. Um, for me, it is really a project coming from my heart. I started it for um, for our two girls, and now I feel, yeah, it really became, yeah, not only a school for our girls, but also my job because I'm the managing director of this school since eight years, and um, I really I I love to be here, and I love to see that we built a house, and. Every day there are something like 130 pupils coming into this house and learn in a different way. What is that different way about? Well, the different way is that we um, that we let the kids take their own decisions. Um, they are they are allowed to make their choices. They we don't. We don't put more value in doing maths than playing soccer. Um, they have a lot of options, and learning is very, very broad. There's a lot of social learning here. Um, we we value other competencies than just maths and reading and writing. And and for you, Greta, what is the school about? Um, I think it's like where you like to be and where you want to come, even though it's a school and many people might think a school yeah huh. but it feels like it's a place you want to come and you also have to come but you also <laughs> want to come and to meet your friends the teachers are nice and just to do what you want and not what you have to nice now Corina, you you mentioned that you know one of the primary reasons or the primary reason why you started this school is because of your daughters. Now, can you recall like a specific moment or event when you realized I I need to build a new school for my kids? Um, I think it started pretty early when I was pregnant with Greta. Um, I read a book which was not about schools, but which was about a different attitude towards children, um, like raising your child with a lot of respect um, and seeing that even a small child can take decisions and a small child is willing to learn. And I realized pretty soon that our two daughters, they are learning a lot without a school. They learn to walk, they learn to run, they learn to talk, to sing, to jump, to ski, whatever. They learn so many things without a school. And I thought, why would you need such a typical school? And I was, I was more afraid of sending them to a typical school. Um, yeah, and then I met um, my now two colleagues, um, two teachers who started to 
um, to to raise this uh, this school, and I immediately thought, wow, this is this is the school for our girls, mm-hmm. um, and I yeah we connected. We were a group of four then to found this school. Um, yeah, so so it began when they were very very little, and I grew with them to the idea that they need something else than than uh, the public schools we have around here. And what year was that when you started the process? When you met the other uh, teachers? I think it's it's now eleven years ago. So it was it took three years before we started. It was something like two thousand six when we when we started the process, and in two thousand nine we really. Uh, like August two thousand nine was um, were the first days to mm. start the school, and uh, you mentioned the the other co-founders of the school. Was there any other person or a group of people that connected with you and shared these ideas? And how exactly did they contribute? Um, I mean, in in that time. Um, we always organized evenings to inform, you know, the people in Cologne, the parents who are interested, probably teachers who are interested in working in this school. Um, and some connected, some stayed with the group, some supported the the foundation process. Um, but there was not like one single one single person um, supporting it it was you know we we were a group of four people um doing the main work we had different competencies which was very important we had the the pedagogical side and more the administrative side and with those competencies we we managed to to really to build up this school which is not an easy process in germany because you have to take a lot of hurdles a lot of bureaucracy uh you have to write a lot of plans and yeah, before you get the the permit to open a school. I see. And, and did you have any models uh, in mind, like uh, from Germany or outside, that you looked at the school and said, I want to base our project on this theory or on this school? And I guess what I, I want to ask is, what other school or theory inspired you mm. the most? Um, I was inspired a lot by um, the PESTA, a school in Ecuador. All right. And um, yeah, I, I read books about that school and it's a couple who, um, who founded that school. It's a kindergarten and a school, in fact. Um, and that inspired me a lot. And then the two teachers who founded that, who co-founded that school, they, they also went to see a lot of schools, mostly in Germany, to be... Um, inspired but there's not one school we copied it's i always call it it's like a best of so we collected the the things we most liked in 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 other schools or yeah systems to to set up this one here i see and and you mentioned briefly that uh, like bureaucracy and all the the administrative work and you know some people might listen to this interview or go to the website and think, wow, that's wonderful, but uh, we we cannot and we have some uh, uh, issues in our country to overcome and it's too big for us. So what are some of the challenges or struggles you had at the beginning and how did you overcome them uh, that might help other people to realize it's uh, it's possible to do something like this? 
Um, one big issue um, in the beginning was to find a building, which is not easy in Cologne. We were, I mean, now we're, it's not really outskirts, but we are not in the middle of the city here. Um, in the beginning, we thought we, we would find something more like in the city. Um, but then we were very, very lucky to find this area here and someone building up a school like with taking into account our plans and our pedagogical ideas. So the, the building was really a big struggle. So it took some time to find something because here in Germany, if you don't have a building, they will not give you the permit. So there are a few things. You need to have teachers, you need to have the building, you need to have the parents and um, yeah, a few requirements. So the mm. building was a, was a big struggle. I see. Now, going more into how the school actually works, and, and I would love to see both your opinions. Um, can, can you, uh, Corinna, first uh, just tell briefly how is the school structured and uh, what is it like uh, the, daily, the daily way it runs? Yeah, so um, Aktive Schule Köln is, is now a school from grade one to 10. So we have the primary school uh, from one to four, and then from five to year 10 is the secondary school. Um, it is in a way one building, but in a way two buildings, they are connected and the, you know, the younger kids have their own area. Um, yeah, the way it works, one important thing, we have a relaxed start in the morning. It's not like you have to be there at 8.05 in the morning, everybody rushes into the door, but you can start between 7.30 and 8.30. So this is the arrival time, which makes it quite relaxed for parents and for, for the kids. Um, the idea is that the that the adults, the teachers, present the structure of the day to the pupils, to the students, and the students are allowed to make their choices. So we don't have a, um, what is the Stundenplan? We, we don't have a timetable like, um, like the public schools where it says like eight o'clock it's maths, always on Monday, and on Monday at nine you always have English. So it changes every day and every week. Um, there are a few classes offered and pupils always have the choice to do what they want to do. They want to continue on a project, they want to play outside with friends or they, they want to work with wood or paint something. So they're really free to take their decisions. Mm. And Greta, can you describe like uh, a typical day at, at the school for you personally? Yeah, I we come like eight or eight fifteen or something and then we first have like a circle where the group meets up and discuss we discuss about the day and what's gonna happen and who is missing who is sick or who's just not here because they're i don't know somewhere else and um yeah then we um we discuss about the day and then at night at nine basically it's over the circle and everyone starts to work on their projects or on they're going to um course. a course a course, course <laughs> that the teachers like organize and 
then we work and then we have lunch at 12:45 right and then there's another one and a half hours after that we can continue to work on something or we go outside or yeah nice all right and the day usually ends at what time at three okay like you can go between one and three and yeah i'm going at three because nice. i have to and um thank you uh, and Karina, um, what what's is is there any specific set of values or cultural elements that you try to promote within the the teachers team, but also maybe with the kids? Um, in terms of values, it's um, it has to do a lot with respect, respect for the pupils we have here to see that they are human beings from the beginning on, and that they have that they have their that they have rights and they have feelings and they have their opinions and it's not the the teacher who is always right but it's taking into account what um what the kids wants want um yeah so it's it's respect it's relationship which is very very important and which um yeah which is very different in our school from to to most of the schools in the country i would say because yeah here really the the pupils have a strong relationship to the adults that are here and and they can choose um whom they like so it's it's like a natural situation there are a lot of adults around and the the, the pupils connect to to whom they like and it's not like they just have to follow rules but they can yeah, they can follow their feelings, they can follow their heart, and they can connect to the to the adults they, they like to be with. Amazing. So with so much freedom and choice of activities, um, how do you approach this question of evaluation? Or if there are no timetables, no mm. grades, no bells, um, how, how do you look at the child progress and mm. try to evaluate them? Yeah, in general, we are... Um, or yeah, we take into account and we have to take into account the curriculum for the country. So um, we are recognized as a yeah, like a proper school who is allowed to take the exams in the end after class ten. Um, so those things, the competencies that are that are set by the country, they are relevant for us. We only say that they don't have to be followed at the same pace. So after fourth grade, it's not like everybody has to fulfill the, you know, the um, the expectations for fourth grade. And this is why we say it's important to be here from grade one to grade ten because then you have a lot of time and you can you can really do it in your own pace. And that's the idea that pupils learn things that are important but they do it in their own pace so it's not that after grade two everybody has to be at the same level in maths which is in a way stupid because if you look at how how the kids start when you know let's say it's first of august first day of school and you have in the first grade you have some pupils that are five and a half others are six others are almost seven some of them can read already others can 
not even write their names, so they start at very different um, at a very different point, and then you try to make them all the same. You try to make them like in a production line, which is which is not our approach. So we we give them the time they need to develop, and they develop in in a different pace and on different topics. Yeah. Mm. Now you mentioned that. Um, it's best if the kids are here from grade one to ten, and the school itself is eleven years old, right? No, nine years old. Uh, eight, eight years old. Eight yeah. years. Um, did you have, uh, or can you bring some examples where kids actually graduated from from the school, and what was their experience uh, afterwards? Yeah, we just had the first two students graduating this summer, um, and. Yeah, they they have chosen the type of exam they wanted to do, and they both were successful. So they achieved what they wanted to achieve. They left Aktive Schule now to make their Abitur, that means to continue school and then probably go to university. Um, yeah, so so the first the first two students made it very well, and we also have experience with um, with students who left in between. Uh, Greta, for example, she, um, when she finished fourth grade, um, we didn't have the permit to do the secondary school. So mm. she had to go to a public school in her fifth grade, right. which, uh, which was a, a short-term decision then because it was the summer holidays when it, when it was clear that we couldn't continue here. And she went to a public um to a public secondary school. And she went there just like coming from this school. We didn't prepare her to like, oh, now you have to <laughs> improve your reading or writing or maths. So she just went there. And yeah, I mean, there, there were a few stories she <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know if you, you can, uh, if you if remember you, can... you, you, you came back home and said, they are talking to me the whole day. How can I learn there? Yeah, because, I mean, there is always someone standing in front and talking, 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 mm. talking. And for her, <laughs> she was absolutely not used to just listen and she was used to to do something. Mm. Yeah, or it was when they first, like, corrected her. She was writing a story and the teacher made marks, like the whole page was red, 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 red. Everything was wrong. And she was like... Hey, I mean, I wrote this text. What did she do with my text? And she tried to erase the red marks because it was <laughs> her text. <laughs> she was absolutely not used to someone, you know, destroying her work. Mm. Yeah, so there, there were a few stories we now laugh about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and after that year, she she made the choice to come back to Aktive Schule because then we had the the permit for for the secondary school. Um, yeah, so the my my biggest conclusion was even if pupils go to a school like ours, they are able to adapt to another system. Mm. Um, sometimes parents are afraid. What if we move to another city and we have to go to a to a public school? Would that work? And I would say. Yes, it works because, I mean, they are able to adapt with six. When they are six years old, everybody goes to a public school and they have to adapt to it. Um, and they are also able to adapt when they are 10 or 
16 or yeah and greta recently you've been to the states to a public school can you tell a bit about that experience and how how it was for you like coming from a a school like this to to the public one yeah it was like it was basically it was like i came there and it was like everyone was walking around and like and then we came into the classroom and i i mean i expected it to not be an <laughs> free school or something and i think it was okay but i mean the homework and stuff i came home some days at i don't know 5 p.m or something and i had to do homework and stuff and then i wanted to I don't know, to call home or something. And it was like really tight, the time plan. And I couldn't do a lot of stuff in the afternoon. And yeah, the school was different, but I mean, it was worth it to like do, to tr do another school system. Yeah. But yeah. So what... Um Do you have some experiences that uh, were really interesting for you in, in a new culture, in a new country? Um. Except English, which is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. I like the um, school sports in the US. Like that. That's really nice to like have the competition between the schools. And yeah, that's really great. I like Okay, and about competition, uh, which is a great link you made, um, I guess it's more a question to Corina, but you can both uh, tell your opinions. Um, you know, our, our education system in general is based on competition and grades, and we do the same with entry exams into big schools, and then we have competition in adult life to get the best jobs and have a living. And apparently here it's all about collaboration and play and co-creation. Um, what what is your approach on on this competition within education? Like, I I don't think that competition in school helps to prepare for life. I mean, what helps to prepare? Or if you say there is always competition later in your life, <laughs> I think it depends a lot on what choices you make. But I think the best way to handle this competition is to be very sure about yourself, to know what you're able to do, what are your strengths. And I think this helps much more than letting them compete at a very young age. And I think, you know, the needs are so different So I mean we don't we don't sit in a wheelchair to prepare now for the time when we will be in a wheelchair. So mm. we do the things that we have to do now and which match with our life now and I think competition doesn't match with a 6-year-old or a 10-year-old and yeah. On the other hand, I see both of our girls um playing soccer and liking They, they both like the competition that is in there, but it's their choice. Mm. They are not forced to do that, and they are not forced into that competition. And I think that's a huge difference. And usually at school, they are, 
they are put into that competition without being able to make a choice. Mm. That's interesting. And you mentioned it's very important to build this self-confidence and self-awareness in, in kids. Do you have any specific uh, method that you do it at the active school? Like um, perhaps I know um, the, the thinking time or the, the notebooks that we've seen. How exactly do you approach this? I would say it, it's not a method, it's again the, the attitude um, the adults have here. To give time to, to respect the process in, in a child's life, to see yeah, what, is, what is important today. So, I mean, if parents are separating, um, this affects a child a lot. But still, they're expected to learn at school. And there are so many things you have to take into account if you want to, you know, accompany the learning, um, the learning process. So it, it's not this one method. It's, um, yeah, it's a lot of attitude. It's a lot of relationship again. And it's like looking, having a close look at what the kids are doing today and they what they would probably need tomorrow. Mm. And... When, when, let's say, a child has a certain reflection point and then realizes that they would love to do more um, math or more science or more arts, how do you approach this new challenge? So a kid says, okay, I want to learn this. Like, what, what's the process afterwards? Um, well, the, when, when the adult knows what the what the child wants to do um, the the adult or the teacher will think about what do we have here to offer um, is there a, a class where the child could go is there some kind of material a lot of we have a lot of Montessori material for instance um, so what offers do we have here mm. um, or just reflect together with the child do you know an artist where you want to spend a week with? Or, I mean, there are ideas of going out of this school. Um, yeah, it's it's this ref reflection of what do we have here? What can help you? Do you want to have a look in the internet to find some more details you're interested in? Or, yeah. Like, I mean, like life is. Like we would approach as adults. I want to do something new. And where do I find the... Whatever the tools or the knowledge or material to do that. And uh, in the morning, while we walked through the school, uh, you told us that uh, you also collaborate with other organizations nearby for different activities. We also seen the the pictures where uh, people went to a farm. Mm -hmm. um, is it part of your way of uh, running the school that you look for partnerships and different organizations to have more activities? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, this school is a place where we try to collect things from the world outside, and we have a lot of things here, but, I mean, real life is, is outside. So um, we don't have a huge gymnasium, for instance, to do sports, so we, we go and rent um, this space outside in our neighborhood, I would say. Um, 
pupils go outside in groups, they, they recently had a farm visit, or they go to the cinema, or they just go to the forest, or... Yeah, so there are many things to do. It's, it's not that we have to stay in this house. Mm, I see. And regarding the, the tools and activities, um, and here I would love to see both of your opinions, how do you approach technology in, in uh, a learning environment? Let's say uh, cell phones or uh, tablets, I don't know. Yeah, I would say the, the technology is always a means to do something. It's not a value in itself, but um, for sure it is present in the lives of, of the pupils we have here. And the older they get, the more important it is. It, I see that with, with our own girls, how important the smartphones are in their lives. Um, yeah, but here in school, I think it's, yeah, it's a technology you can use to easily achieve to find something to make a research to watch a video to yeah so it's it's not a value in itself but but a means for for working i see and for you greta i think um it's it's not only for working but maybe for um like to show someone what where we went or what we did and Maybe I took a picture on my phone and I want to show them and like it's we connect our private life with um, school and like show them pictures or like and we like research and sometimes. yeah sometimes <laughs> <laughs> no and yet it's like to see what's happening in other places not maybe in Cologne, but maybe somewhere else in Germany or, yeah. I see. So f in a way, it's a way, it's a tool to tell stories and connect with other people. Yeah. All right. And, and about connecting to other people, do you have also activities with other similar schools in Germany or outside? I know maybe at pupil level, but maybe at the mm. pedagogical level, like exchange of experiences and so on. Um, yes, we, we are connected with other schools in, German in Germany and there is a huge variety of alternative schools. They are, they are not all the same, um, but they are all different to the, to the public school system. And there are teachers that are connected in a network. I am connected with the, you know, managing or administrative um, people from other schools. Um, sometimes, yeah, that you you are not very connected, Greta, with um, with other pupils from from other schools. There are options, but they didn't take it until now. Mm, I see. Now switching the gears a bit to the future, trying to look at the future, and and it's more about our imagination. Um, do you think the sorts of schools that you build here is it will be something common in the future or not yet? What are your thoughts about that? Well, I hope that it's going to be common in the future. Um, although I think it will take some time because I think society, or yeah, the majority of people is not yet ready. And I think it's really a change in, in paradigm 
of education and this has to happen first so parents really have to make a choice for these schools you need to prepare the teachers to be able to work in a school like that because it requires different um, different abilities mm. yeah so I hope for a change but I think it will take some time I see. And what are your plans for the school in the future? How do you plan to develop or maybe you have new projects in mind? Um, I mean, we are still in a growing process. As we just said, the, the two first students graduated um, this summer. Um, our structure, our demography is, is a pyramid at the moment. This or no, next year, 2018 we'll have four students uh, graduating so we're still growing um, and this is one of our projects at the moment to to handle this growth which is not a huge growth but still we need more teachers um, yeah so this is the main the main project um, and now if we think more broadly at the level of I know the country or even Europe or the world you know education traditionally was a means to have some skills that you can later trade in life for a job and and you know pay your bills so for for many families or young people the education is this ticket that will help you to uh, to find solutions when you are an adult um, what are your thoughts about, you know, the future of learning if we know that the jobs will, will change? So uh, if not preparing kids for only the jobs, what are other values or other focuses that we can put in on education? Uh, for me, one important point is this school is not only a preparation for later life. So as I say, as I said, I would not sit in a wheelchair chair to prepare for my wheelchair time when I'm old. So, But I think school is, or what we try to do, is to fulfill the actual needs of the students while they are here and not to give mm. them something for... You can only uh, handle your future if you have those skills. <laughs> but in the end, I would say, if you fulfill the needs of the students then they are absolutely prepared. So I see. Yeah, so I think this is what they will really need if they yeah, if they have the time, their time to develop, their time to take decisions, to develop the competen competencies they really have, then they are ready to whatever the future will bring. I see. And now I guess the question is as a parent when you think about Greta and, and the future in terms of career what comes to your mind like uh, what should she be prepared for mm. um the first strange word is career which <laughs> which always sounds like you know climbing up a ladder yeah. um which is not important for me i wish i wish that our girls um are able to find something that makes them happy to make a decision for their life and part of that life will be will be earning money in some kind of a job but do something that really fulfills them and not yeah just make a yeah make a career in the typical in the typical sense 
And Greta, and the the question for you is, uh, maybe it's early, I don't know, but uh, do you have any um, reflection about what possibly you could do in the future and how this school uh, helps you? I have no idea what I want to <laughs> do in the future. <laughs> I want to go do my Abitur <laughs> and then um, maybe go to un uh, university, but yeah. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I see. And 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 it's it's a complicated um, uh, question, and and we know that when it comes to what's next in the future, or what work to do, a lot of these questions or decisions are taken by parents. So it's very difficult for parents to uh, to let it go and uh, let kids be free and do whatever. Um, they want so in your experience w what is the relationship with the parents of the kids that you have at school and uh, what are their approach about you know what skills uh, should the kids learn and that they should be prepared for the future and so on so what we try to do here when we when we take kids in the first grade in the end we don't take the kids but we take the families uh, mm. we uh, we want to get to know the parents we want to know why they decide for this school you know the kids are all they're all great and they all can be here and they all can start their learning here the question is are the parents really ready for a school like this and we still see there on the there on the one hand a lot of families really saying yeah i trust my child um, I can let go because this is what you have to do um, as a parent here. You you don't have that much control. You don't have the the sheets at home. You don't see the 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 marks they have in tests. So you have to trust that your child is learning, even if there is no timetable, making sure that they are doing maths four times a week. Mm. So th this is this is the real challenge to. Um, to find families who really want that. And we also see that there are families who after a year or two or three, they say, okay, no, this is not the way we want to continue. And mm. there are families who leave the school, which was a shock in the beginning. We thought, how could that happen? I mean, they decided for this school and now they're leaving. Mm. Um, now we know, yeah, that, that it happens like that and that there are families who who decide that this is not their way of of learning and living with their children and it it is a process in the family um yeah and you you really have to trust your child it sounds simple and everybody would say all the parents say yeah yeah i trust my child but um when it comes to to school topics it's it's not that easy yeah Sadly, I was reading in a, in a psychology book that for a lot of parents, uh, kids are their second life. So everything they wanted to achieve and they didn't, they, they sent kids like, I wanted to play piano, I couldn't, you should go play piano and so on. Um, and, and the argument is, you know, I have the life experience, so I know what's best for you. Um, but we also know that the, the economy and the world is changing very fast, so kids would be great if kids have more empowerment and more space to take their own decisions. Now, 
going into the summary of uh, of this interview, um, and the question is for both of you: Are there any resources like uh, books or maybe movies or YouTube channels that you recommend for people who want to to get more um, from this alternative type of education or get more involved in their in the education of their kids as parents and and so on so what resources would you recommend for someone who um i really like the book or the books of rebecca wild i don't know if they if they exist only in german or if you can also get them in english um didn't check on that um, they are about this kindergarten and school in Ecuador called PESTA. Uh, and there you get a lot of ideas um, about this non-directive pedagogical uh, approaches. Um, there are a few, uh, a few things in, in the internet. I just saw again this um, a video of Prince Ia who is he's suing mm. the uh, the public school system there is this um education paradigm thing from sir ken robinson which which is a good explanation i think why a plaidoyer why the school should change um yeah those are at the moment the things i would i would yeah. recommend and greta any youtube channels snapchat <laughs> accounts or musically that you use to to learn no. <laughs> all right and do you have any specific advice uh corina for um anyone who might have the idea to start a similar school like where should they start um i would say one important thing is to have you need a team of people to do that and you need different competencies. You for sure need pedagogical competencies to set up a concept and to really make sure what you want. Um, and the other, the other half, the other part of um, setting up a school is all the administrative, financial, um, marketing, whatever stuff, building. You know, there are a lot of things you need apart from the from the concept you want to realize. So my my advice is make sure that you have the competencies in your team to to get that set up. I see. And Greta, uh, what are your advice for, let's say, students that are bored in their school? <laughs> what could they do to, to make their life more interesting change school I <laughs> <laughs> come to Cologne <laughs> yeah there are more other free freer schools not only ours but yeah look for another school maybe I see and now you you can keep the the microphone because the question will be to both of you but you can start if you became the Ministry of Education what are three things that you would do? Whew, huge question. Um, I would really 
try to start a process to change the minds of people because I think this is what has to happen first. It's mm. and changing the school system afterwards, but at first you have to understand how learning really works and that it's not like learning by heart tons of tons of books, but yeah, I think this is the first step you right. need. And to others? Oh, to others. If could be some <laughs> some activities. Oh yeah, and then give give schools more freedom to take their own decision, not to to make the system so tight and make it impossible for or almost impossible for a school and and also for the public school to to make changes. Hmm. And for you? I, I'm still curious to, to see your opinion. Like imagine you, you have the resources and the power to change education in, let's say, Germany? I would say make it easier for schools like ours, like that it's not as complicated to create one and build up one. And yeah, that everyone can find and has a school near them like this, that they can actually choose if they want to go there and not just... I can't go there because it's too far away or we don't have one here and yeah. I see. Now this question is not necessarily related to education or, or the school, it's more general. If you know we see the advertising in public spaces, in buses, in on the internet, everywhere, there's messages to buy things or to visit something. Imagine for a moment that you have the power to buy all the advertising in the world and put there like a social message for for people what uh, what message or what uh, code would you display i think it would be something like trust your kids and trust them that they want to learn mm. nice one and greta for you um i would say something like Learn because you want to learn and not because you have to learn. And yeah. Wow, that's nice. Now, the, the last uh, question is not a question. It's more like an open microphone moment for you. If you have a message or a story or something that you want to share with, let's say, parents or educators. And for you, Greta, will be if, you, if there is a pupil who is listening to this. <laughs> Uh, and you have a message to them, uh, it's, it's just open style. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> you can also sing maybe something <laughs> from musically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would say something like, don't just look what your neighbors are doing and don't do what everybody does, but think about your own values and think about what is important for you and try to yeah, be open and do new things uh, instead of always repeating things you did the last hundred years. So don't be afraid of, of doing something new. Okay, so... Um the last question, the very last question. Um, where can f people find more about the, the active school and uh, the, the, the concept and how it runs? Maybe get in touch with you if they have some questions. 
oh, for sure in the internet it is aktive minus schule minus Köln dot de. Um, this is where you find information about us. Um, yeah, if you Google something like alternative schools or free schools in Germany, you will find other projects um, and learn more about the yeah the situation of those schools in Germany. Okay, well, thank you very much, Greta and Karina. It was a pleasure to be with you this morning to see the school, to see your beautiful work, and also your opinions about uh, the work you do here, but education more broadly. Uh, the show is going to be online within two or three days, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to share your story with, uh, with the rest of the world. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you. It was a pleasure for us too. Thanks. Hey there, a quick note before you head to your next adventure today. First of all, thank you for your time and support. It allows us to share stories like this with the world and do something that we truly love. Second, this episode is part of a larger project where we travel for 12 months in 40 plus countries to look for and tell stories of amazing educators, entrepreneurs and innovators who shape the future of education. If you are interested in this project or you want to find more, please head to experimentq.org or patreon.com forward slash experimentq and find more details and behind the scenes stories. Again, thank you so much for your support and time. And we're looking forward to see you in our next episodes. All the best. <laughs>